You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. We're in a series right now about foundations, and we're looking at some of the bedrock principles of our Christian faith. And this morning, we're going to look at a foundation, or it's probably more of a practice that we don't talk about a whole lot or mention a whole lot on, on Sunday mornings or from the pulpit. And so we'll figure out what that is together by turning to the book of Hebrews. So would you go with the book of Hebrews with me? Hebrews chapter 13, if you're relatively new to church, is nine books from the end of the Bible. So go to the book of Hebrews with me, Hebrews chapter 13. Let's keep that open, read that together, and discover what our foundation is today, a practice that we perhaps don't think of too often. Hebrews chapter 13, I'll begin in verse one this morning, give you a few moments to get there. And again, after we read this passage, go and keep your Bible open for us to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is teaching us today from his word. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Let it continue on. And do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though you are, parenthetically, as though in prison with them. And remember those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Uh, that's our passage this morning. The, the foundation I want us to consider is the foundation of hospitality, of kindness, of, of compassion toward others. And I didn't really realize this in the past two or three weeks of preparing for this Sunday morning how often that expression of hospitality is listed all throughout the scriptures. Now it says right here in Hebrews chapter 13, verses one through three, especially in verse two, that sometimes in showing hospitality to others, we're actually showing hospitality to angels. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says here, you're entertaining or showing hospitality to angels unawares, which is kind of fancy language for without knowing it. Like you actually showed compassion or kindness or hospitality towards someone who was not just human. Now this probably is referencing back to Genesis chapter 18 when when Abraham was was there in in his tent and three strangers came to his land, came to his property. And the Bible says in Genesis 18 that, that Abraham went out to them and he greeted them and he welcomed them and he showed them hospitality. He brought them into the tent he washed their feet. He fed them this great meal. He, he allowed them to sleep, to take some rest. And then after the story is over, Abraham realizes that these were actually three angels, perhaps one of them even being Jesus himself. And so that's probably the, the story that the writer of Hebrews is referencing, that there are times in life, this is such a, a fun and if you'll excuse the word, quirky little statement in the scripture that sometimes we're actually being kind to someone who is not a, a mere mortal. They, they, are, they are angels. And he references probably this Genesis chapter 18. And so I think maybe the, the high altitude, of the, the upper story of this is that God plays a very significant role in the very ordinary things of someone being a host and a guest. God loves to step in in that moment. So throughout the Old Testament and New Testament alike, there seems to be four rules of hospitality. So in the biblical culture, there seem to be four rules of hospitality. The first one was when a stranger or a foreigner or someone you don't know was coming to your house, you were to meet them halfway up the walk path, up up, up the walking path or the, the path to the house. 
you were to meet them halfway, if I didn't tell you this, but in Genesis 18, when Abraham saw those strangers, he ran out of his house to meet them. That was a picture of Old Testament hospitality. So if someone was coming onto your land, coming to your property, you're to meet them halfway with a sense of joy, with a sense of, of welcoming, with a sense of hospitality, which might be the reason that the father and the prodigal son ran to the son. He may or may not have known that was his son. But that was the culture of the day. If you saw someone coming to your land, coming to your property, the first rule of biblical hospitality is that you would go to them. The second rule was that you would wash their feet. And this is what Abraham did to these three guests who turned out to be angels. He, he washed their feet. It was, a, it was a picture of humility. Can you imagine our culture today that someone was coming to your house and you saw that they were coming and you ran out of your house and you met them halfway with, with a pail of water, a bucket of water, and you were to wash their feet? Like one, that would be really strange, I know, in our culture today, but, but that's a sense or a picture of, of this humility of, I don't even know who you are and you're welcome into my home. Let me wash your feet. That was the second process in biblical hospitality. The, the third process was to feed them a feast. Remember when the son came home, the father said, go, go kill the fatted calf. It's almost the exact same thing Abraham said to Sarah, when these three guests came, he said, go, go find our, our greatest livestock and let's, let's prepare them. And so it wasn't just, you know, a, a peanut butter sandwich. It was go and, and take the finest that we have. These guests are here. These outsiders are here. These strangers are here. These foreigners are here. And we were going to meet them halfway, wash their feet, prepare them a feast. And here's the, the fourth step of biblical hospitality. We see this through Old Testament, New Testament alike. It was come in for a rest. Again, this is what Abraham said to these three strangers, these three foreigners who turned out to be three angels, come and sit for a while. Now, the good news for the host is in biblical times, the culture was a guest could only stay for two days. I sometimes wish that was the same here in America. Maybe you could just kind of stay for two days and then, hey, we, we fed you. I even washed your feet. Now it's time for you to go next door at least. You know, just go somewhere else But for two days. So that was biblical hospitality. It was those four steps. And, and if you'll go through the Old Testament and see it in the New Testament, the same thing happened to Paul a couple of times in Philippi. You'll see those processes over and over again. I will meet you halfway. In humility, I'm going to wash your feet. We're going to kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a feast because this stranger, this foreigner, this guest is now here and come inside and come and, and sleep for a couple of days. Come and let me give you rest. When the Bible talks about hospitality, it is almost always tied to a foreigner, to a stranger, to, to an outsider. When the Bible talks about hospitality, almost always it's tied to people who live in the margins. So what it says right here in verse three, especially to those who are in prison. I mean, and prisoners in our culture, even today as it was back then, they're, they're the outsiders, they're the marginalized, they're, they're the guilty ones. But in this expression of hospitality, in this expression of kindness, of, of compassion, do you see the two groups that this writer speaks of? In verse three, speaks of the prisoners, but also the second thing, verse three, those who were mistreated. Those who were victims of social injustice or victims of neglect. The writer says, I want you to show hospitality to them. I want you to show that brotherly love toward them, that, that sense of kindness and compassion to them. Uh, let me break down that word hospitality in the original language. The word hospitality in Greek is phileonexia. Phileonexia, and you see the, I think the Greek word on the screen behind me, don't worry about trying to copy that, but phileonexia is the transliteration of that. Uh, phileo or philo or phileo, you might know that word, is love. It's a family 
kind of love. It's an endearing love. It's that, that, that kind love. It's, it's that warm feeling you get when you see a friend that you love or a family member that, that you love. It's that sense of, of affection and, and kindness. It's, it's tender. It's, it's the feels, right? You just kind of feel that thing, you know, toward, towards somebody. That's philo or philo, love. And that's the first part of the word of hospitality. The second word is the word xeno. The second half of the word of hospitality is the word xeno. And we probably hear that a lot in our world today. Xenophobia, the fear of someone who is from the outside, a fear of someone who's a foreigner, the fear of someone that we do not know. And so what scripture is saying here is I want you to have a love and affection, a family-like, endearing, warm feeling toward those who are the outsiders, those who are different, those who are foreign, those who are strange or strangers. The root word of xeno is really our simple English word, other. So it's to love someone from an other country, to love someone from another family, to love someone from an other place. This is the picture of biblical hospitality. Now, in the West, here in America, we hear hospitality and we tend to think one of two things. Like someone waiting on you hand and foot at a spa or a vacation resort, that's what we think. If you Google hospitality, that's the first things that that pop up is like what we like as Americans to sit back and have someone wait on us day and night, hand and foot. You know, I'm always there. That's American hospitality. Or we see hospitality here in the West as a perfect setup at a dining room table where you've got the napkin and then the salad fork, then the fork, then the plate, then the knife that's facing toward the plate, then the spoon, then the water on top of the knife, and the sauce. So- Y'all are impressed that I know this, aren't you? Saucer over here on the left. I mean, we think hospitality here in the West is like some Martha Stewart perfect dining experience where there's beautiful music playing in the background and everything is just right and, and you're serving tea before. The- that's what we think hospitality is here in the West. And let me just tell you that really hospitality in the Bible is almost the exact opposite. If you're taking notes, here's what you can write down. Here's what hospitality is. It's a sacrificial benevolence to those outside of your normal circle of friends. It's a sense of sacrifice. And when I say benevolence, I mean like extended kindness toward those who are are outside of your normal sphere of friendship or, or outside of your circle of comfort. You see, hospitality without the stretching of the heart really is reduced to an inferior product called entertainment. The sacrificial benevolence toward those on the outside is care with a cost. It is, it is serving with this selflessness. It's to prefer other people above yourself with your own price tag. What it means is that we reach outside of those that we're most comfortable with, those that we know, the names that we know, the types of people that we know. The little follow-up definition I would say to you is it's opening your life to those who look and vote and speak and dress and act differently than you do. Again, we've reduced hospitality, sometimes sadly, even in the church, that it's just opening up your mouth and saying a few pleasantries and moving along. But biblical hospitality is opening up your life. It is opening up your story and inviting the other person to open up their life and to open up their story 
to you. We have become so surface here in America where we think hospitality, a sense of hospitality is just being nice to people, you know, opening up a door and shaking a hand and walking off. But biblical hospitality really is opening up your, your life, again, to those who look and vote and speak and dress and act differently than you do, which should give all of us a pretty big pool to choose from. So a lot of people who don't look like you, who don't look like me, who don't vote like you, who don't vote like me or dress like me or dress like you or act like you or act like me. We need to open up our lives to, to these people. It's to do good. It's to show benevolence to those outside of your circle. It's to show kindness to those who don't look anything like you in the mirror. Here's how, how Jesus referenced it, if you will. We, don't, we won't turn there, but if you look on the screen behind me in Luke uh, chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus was talking about this type of hospitality when he said, Jesus said, when you serve a meal or you give a dinner, do not merely invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or your rich neighbors, that's your circle, for they can also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you have a dinner for others, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Do you see how Jesus was saying, I want you to go outside of your circle. I want you to go outside of what you're comfortable with. Don't just invite your family, the people that you know, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, and certainly don't just invite your wealthy neighbors. They can pay you back. Would you invite someone into your life, into your story, into your home? Those who cannot repay you, for you will be repaid, Jesus said, when you see Christ face to face. Jesus talked about this several times throughout the gospels. You know, one of the goals of our Christian life should be to love people without even finding out if they're worth it or not. Just, just to love, to show compassion to everyone that we meet because you know that this week, everyone that you meet was made in the image of God. Everyone you meet and talk to this morning, tomorrow, this week, at work, at school, in the community, everyone that we interact with this week was made in the image of God. This is why C.S. Lewis said, you have never talked to a mere mortal. Everyone you interact with this morning or this week will exist forever, either gloriously in heaven or hideously in hell. There is no one in this room that's a mere mortal. And you will not interact or talk to anybody this week that's just simply a throwaway mere mortal. We will all exist forever. We all have value. We're all made in the image of God. Therefore, we have this, this, this drive, this compulsion within us to love others. Here's maybe the root of what I'm trying to say this morning. Hospitality is a lifestyle. Not just this this. Christian practice. It's a lifestyle. It's not just a one-off event. It's a lifestyle that seeks to turn strangers into friends and eventually friends into sisters and brothers. You see, hospitality really is a bridge builder for the gospel. We are kind to outsiders. We show compassion to those who are our guests in our home or in our church in our places of work, in our neighborhood. We're kind to them. We show hospitality to them with the hopes of transferring them from guests into friends. And as they become friends, then we begin to share with them the hope that we have found in Christ. So they actually become family. Sisters and, and brothers, this is the purpose of, of hospitality. It builds this bridge for the, for the gospel. Now, 
I'm probably rolling the die and, and doing this, but I'll roll the die. How many of y'all have joined Highland as members in the last five years? I'll give a five-year window. Now, just raise your hand if you've joined Highland in, in the last five years. Okay, great, great number of hands. Okay, put your hands back down, please. Here's the roll of the die. If you joined Highland as a member and somewhere in your top three reasons for joining this church was because of the kindness, the warmth, the hospitality of the people, would you lift your hand, please? So you're a relatively new member the last five years, top three reasons. Man, I'm glad that worked. I was hoping that like no one was just like, no hands went up at all. So good, that's good, good news. I, I think that that's true because I hear that all the time from new members. So do you know what the growth strategy of Highland is? It's you. You're the growth strategy of this church. That you're kind to guests, that you're kind to outsiders, that you're hospitable to those that do not look like you, who are outside of your circle of friends. That, that should be the growth strategy of every church. I hope that and pray that that's what Highland is marked by, by which we are marked is, is hospitality, kindness, warmth, bringing in guests, loving guests, that they might become friends, and eventually those friends turn into sisters and brothers. Those friends turn into, into family. It might be a good time to say this because of where we are in our culture today. We can be a very strong pro-life church and still be the kindest people in Waco, and we should be. We should be able to, smattering of applause, we should be able to be a church at home that holds firmly that marriage is a covenant relationship between a man and a woman intended for a lifetime and still be off the charts loving in our city. You see, conviction does not equal being a jerk. Conviction does not equal being hateful. Conviction does not equal being cold. Of all the people in the city of Waco, it should be believers on the forefront of compassion and kindness and hospitality and extending an arm of love, a reach of love to those who are outside, those who are guests, those that do not look like us and bringing them into the family. In fact, the scripture says we're to practice this type of hospitality, not just think about it, not just think theoretically it sounds like a good idea or take some notes on Sunday morning, Paul told the church of Rome, just like the Holy Spirit would tell the church at Highland, I want you to practice these things. Look at the screen behind me in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, when Paul wrote, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. In other words, do it. Practice these things. If it feels wobbly to you, practice it. You'll You'll get better. If it feels outside of kind of how you're wired, then you practice those things and you will grow in those things. This morning, I want to be as practical as I can with you to give you something good for today and for this week. Let me give you seven quick ways for all of us in this room to practice hospitality. So you can find a pen if you want to, or a pencil or some mascara, and just write this down somewhere in your notes or in your handout, and just write these seven things down. These are seven ways to practice hospitality. Here's the first thing. Ask others into your space meaning your house or your apartment or maybe one of your favorite places in Waco. Invite and ask others into your space. Ask people into your home or out to one of your favorite places. Who, like who are you talking about, preacher? The widow, the immigrant, homeless, a refugee, a recently released prisoner, someone who is new in your work, someone as a neighbor who just moved in, 
Or just think about this question. Do you know of anybody right now that needs refreshment? Spiritually, emotionally? That's so you can ask into your spaces, into your home, into your apartment, out, out to your favorite place. You remember when Jesus said, here's, here's the two big things. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is just the same. In other words, on equal footing is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And someone in the crowd who I think was mocking him said, so who's our neighbor? And Jesus immediately told the story of the Good Samaritan. And at the end of the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus answered that question, who is my neighbor, by simply saying this, anyone who needs mercy, that's your neighbor. It is inviting people into your life, into your story, and asking them about their lives and their stories. Do you know someone right now that needs some reinforcement in their battle with loneliness? Do you know someone right now that just needs a good word, a few moments of time, an invitation into your life, an invitation to your story, anyone that needs to be asked in or asked out for coffee? Uh, here's the second thing, seven ways to practice hospitality. Number one, ask others into your space. Number two, invite coworkers or neighbors to your spiritual home. That's here, church. Maybe that's even, I should have made that number one. I know for some people, inviting people into your house, into your apartment, or asking them out for lunch or asking them out for coffee, that might be a big stretch. And so maybe you should practice first by inviting them to your spiritual home, inviting them here, here to Highland. There was a survey done six years ago of 15,000 people in America by Lifeway Research, and they said that 63% of people in America said, I would go to church if a coworker or a friend invited me. 63% said their answer would be yes. I mean, there's no salesman in here that's ever had percentages like that before. 63% would say yes. The stats went up when it was a family member. If a family member asked another family member to come to church, 68% would say yes, according to this research of 15,000 Americans. So invite people into your space, your home, your apartment, you're out to your favorite place. Invite people or neighbors or coworkers to your spiritual home, which is church. Here's the third thing. Christians should be eating together informally all the time. I don't know about you, but I don't skip a whole lot of meals at all. Very few meals do I skip during the week. So if I'm going to eat, might as well eat with some other believers and hear, hear, hear what's happening in their lives and hear their stories and, and to get to know them, to share my story, to invite them into to what's happening in, in my world. In fact, here's my challenge. I, I know that some of you, in fact, most of you won't take me up on this, but I, I hope some will. Before the end of this summer, because today is kind of the, the launching of, of summer, before the end of the summer, would you be willing to, to find someone in this congregation who is either of a different color or a different generation, or maybe just, oh, this is radical, maybe sits in a different section than you sit in on Sunday morning, and like invite them, say, hey, I know I've seen you every Sunday, Maybe we could grab lunch or maybe next Sunday after, after church is over, you'd be willing to, to invite us or we'd be, be willing to invite them into your home. After the first gathering this morning, I was so moved by this. A family came forward to the, the response time and said, hey, we're having a, a barbecue on Saturday. Would you invite the entire church to come? No, not the 10 o'clock, just the 8.40. So invite the whole 8.40 to, to come this morning to their daughter's having a graduation. Like we'd love to host for, for a barbecue. And so I was like, that's, that's amazing. What would it look like for just one time this summer for you to invite someone again that is outside of your generation, outside of your cultural circles, outside of your circle of comfort, that you are to reach out to them and enjoy at least one meal with them. If that sounds like extra biblical, can I tell you that's where the church started? 
Well, look at the screen behind me in Acts chapter two, uh, verse 46. Here's the, here's the genesis of the church. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's where we started, Highland, 2,000 years ago. We as in the capital C church, informally enjoying meals with one another, breaking bread with these glad and sincere hearts. I'll, I'll even make it more practical than that. Today, at 11.45, I'll meet you at Whataburger. The Whataburger at Valley Mills and Lake Air, since God's favorite fast food restaurant is closed on Sundays, I'll meet you at his second favorite restaurant, which is Whataburger. If you have no plans this afternoon, my wife and I, we'd love to eat Whataburger with you today. Not, not the one by Bather, the one on Valley Mills and Lake Air. I'll be there at 11.45 and I'll, I'll buy your drink for you. If you'll join us for lunch today, I'll buy your drink. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. Maybe you've never met my wife, never have been around us very long. We'd love to be around you. So there's, there's your invitation. How about number four? Host a CG in your home. CG stands for connection group and just watch yourself and others just fast forward, grow spiritually. Maybe the thought of leading a small group during the week sounds overwhelming to you, but you could open up your home and your den has enough space for 10 or 12 people in there and you could serve some refreshments periodically. I'm just telling you, Highland, we're called by scripture to practice hospitality, not just to hear about it on a Sunday morning or, or to think again, theoretically, what a great idea that might be one day, but we're being called by scripture to do hospitality, to practice hospitality. If you're interested in, in hosting a small group of Bible study or a small group of, of community within your home, when this gathering is over, you can just go out into the lobby at our grow table and just say, you know what? I'm scared to death to lead one, but I can easily host one or we can easily host one. And we'll have some of our leaders out there that love to hear about your interest in hosting a CG. How about number five, asking the Rosses. That's Reuben and Janet Ross. They're our senior adult pastors. If they know of a widow or someone lonely, or if you're interested in helping with the nursing home ministry, really our nursing home ministry is just ramping up these last few weeks. I think it'd be peculiar for Highland to ask God, hey God, would you show us as a church how we're supposed to meet the needs of others when God put a nursing home four blocks from our church? So if you have a heart for showing hospitality to a widow or someone that is lonely, you're interested in, in serving a part of our brand new burgeoning nursing home ministry, then I'd encourage you to email the Rosses, or I saw Janet over here, Janet Ruben, both, just raise, do you mind standing up? Y'all even wore matching blue shirts, so thank y'all for that as well. These are the Rosses right over here, so if you wanna, when this gathering is over, if you'll just kind of come over here to this side, they'd love to tell you about some ways you can be involved or catch your name and, and that might be you. That might be the best way for you to practice hospitality this year is to find someone lonely in our congregation, a widow in our congregation, being a part of a nursing home ministry. Number six, volunteer for the welcome team or the coffee team. A lot of you drink it. Very few serve it. We would love for some of you to step up and go, you know what, I can get here a few minutes early and be a part of serving coffee, or I can get here a few minutes early and open up the doors and welcome people. That is the first impression that outsiders, that guests have of Highland, or those who are in the parking lot, those who are serving coffee, and those who are at the doors, talking about practicing hospitality for a spiritual home. So if you've been here for a while looking for a way to serve, looking for a way to be connected instead of just kind of coming and sitting and absorbing and going back home, Welcome team, door greeter, coffee team is a great way 
to volunteer and to practice hospitality. Also, when this gathering is over, go to those middle doors. If you go to the right, there's a couple of tables set out there where you can sign up and go, I want to be a part of the hospitality of this church. Here's, here's the seventh and last thing. Be a mingle hero. I'll explain myself. <laughs> mingle is the time of worship that we have usually about eight minutes into the gathering. We have sung our first song. Usually a host comes up here. It's like, man, so glad that you're here. Here's a couple of things going on. And then he'll say, or she'll say something to this effect. Why don't you turn around and like meet a few people, talk to a few people. You know, the introverts begin sweating immediately. And I love watching this from the choir loft. Just know I watch you on Sunday mornings from the choir loft. There are some of you who are mingle heroes, mingle champs. Like you have, you have met 10 people around you. You know their names. You got a little bit of their story. I mean, in like in, in, in 50 seconds, you did this. There's others of you that you look at your shoe and you walk around in a circle and you come right back to your seat. You're thinking, man, I barely made it. Like that song was going on and on and I didn't have to be anybody. I did it one more Sunday. Check. What I'm saying is what if we all became mingle heroes? What if the motto during mingle time is I'm not gonna worship with strangers? I'm gonna know these people around me. I wanna shake some hands. I wanna get to know them. I wanna meet them. Do you know that's not just some icebreaker that Pastor Jared and I came up with when we got here six years ago? That has been a part of the ancient liturgy of the church for almost 2,000 years. They called it 1,800 years ago the passing of the peace. The mingle time was you turning to other people and saying peace to you in the name of Christ and peace to you. My name is, what is your name? Peace to you in the name of Christ. That's not some new modern little time for the band to reset for the next song. That is a liturgy of the Christian faith for 2,000 years. So I'm gonna encourage you these next many Sundays, actually how about just all the Sundays of your life to be a great mingle hero and know the people around you. You know, Highland, God has uniquely wired each of you and uniquely placed each of you in such a way that we can express hospitality. I'm going to wrap up with, with this thought. When Paul was writing to young Timothy and was talking to him about the church and, 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 and who should be the leaders of the church and who should be the elders of the church and who should be the overseers of the church, here, here's what Paul wrote. You see on the screen behind me, 1 Timothy chapter 3, here's the list of traits necessary for a man to be qualified to be an elder. Here's what Paul said. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer or elder, he desires a noble task. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome and free from the love of money. God is so serious about his people being hospitable that we see this long list of things that we think are very intuitive. Of course, a church leader, someone who's an overseer of a church should be able to teach, should be kind and not quarrelsome, should be gentle. But did you see in that list, hospitality, that leaders of the church should be willing to open their lives and open their homes to hear the stories and to know people who are different than they are. And that also should be an edict for the entire church, that our lives are open to hospitality, to knowing those outside of our circle. Why is it that God would be so clear on this? Listen, here it is, I believe. I'm gonna wrap up with this last statement. In Christ, God has shown his kindness repeatedly. Despite us being aliens and strangers, 
and outsiders to his promise. You see, this is the essence of the gospel. That when we were aliens to the grace of God, when we were outside of the covenant of God, when we were strangers to the promises of God, God came to us. In Christ Jesus, he came to us. He cleaned us. He he washed us, if you will, through the blood of the cross of Christ. He he brought us in for for a feast. In fact, Jesus identified himself as the bread of life. Then he said, come and find rest. Come and find rest forever in the presence of God. This is the heart of the gospel. The hospitality of God is the essence of the gospel. We were once aliens to the cross. Strangers to the covenant. And in the kindness and listen, the hospitality of God. He brought us in as guests. And he made us sons and daughters. This is what the gospel and hospitality is all about. Hospitality then just mimics. You and I expressing hospitality. We're just mimicking a God. Who loves to bring in the guest. And love them well. Would you stand with me please as we pray together. God, we thank you for your hospitality and your kindness toward us. When we were once aliens of the promise, when we were once outsiders of the family of God, you expressed your love. You came to us. You you washed us. You have given us the feast of Christ. You've given us rest in Christ, the promises, the assurance in Christ. So God, our hospitality this week, we're just, we're just copying you. We're just mimicking you. You love so well. God, may we be marked as people in a church that loves so well. It's a foundation that we so often do not think about. And God, I am grateful that it seems that there's a lot of warmth and kindness in this church. But God, we want to dial it up even more. That we might be known as believers in this city, in a church in this city loves the guests, to make them our friends, to point them to being a part of the family. God, we thank you that when we were orphans without a home, you came to us and brought us in. How rich you are in mercy. How great you are in grace. And God, how excellent you are in hospitality. We just want to be your kids just like that this week. In Christ we pray.